Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 250 of the Fun with Cars Formula One podcast. See, we're only 750 behind Formula One, not 751. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man some call the man too much in love with Honda, Christopher Roche. Hey, Chris. Uh, I must be another Christopher Roche because I don't. <laughs> doesn't sound like me. Uh, are, you sure? are, you? are you sure? Are you sure? I've got a fun fun Honda fact for you, actually, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Well, today we're going to talk about the Chinese Grand Prix, which was the third round of the Formula One Championship, and also talk about IndyCar's Long Beach Grand Prix, and also talk about Chris Roche's Honda Fun Fact. It is Monday evening, April 15th, which is tax day here in the United States, and here are the results of the Chinese Grand Prix. Everyone hold your breath. Because it was Lewis Hamilton that won the race. And uh, he was the lead Mercedes with Valtteri Botas coming in second place, which means that so far, not only has Mercedes won every event, but it's been a Mercedes 1-2 for every event. Third place was Sebastian Vettel in the lead Ferrari. Max Verstappen was fourth in Chris Roche's beloved Red Bull Racing Honda. Uh, Charles Leclerc was fifth in the second Ferrari. Pierre Gasly was sixth in the second Red Bull Racing Honda, which is the highest result he's had this year. Uh, He also scored the fastest lap, which I think we'll discuss later. Dan Ricciardo finished seventh. First of all, he finished, and he finished seventh. He was the lead Renault by doing so, but he was a lap down. Sergio Perez finished eighth in the lead Racing Point Mercedes, and Kimi Raikkonen finished ninth in the lead Alfa Romeo, which is a far cry from where Alfa Romeo finished in the very first Grand Prix, but c'est la vie. Uh, Alexander Albon, he finished 10th in the lead Scuderia Toro Rosso, and Romain Grosjean finished 11th in the lead Haas. Lance Stroll was 12th in his dad's uh, Racing Point team, and he was the second one. 13th was Kevin Magnussen in the second Haas Ferrari. 14th, Carlos Sainz in the McLaren, and that was the lead McLaren. 15th, Antonio Giovazzi in the second Alfa Romeo. And then we have the Williams, George Russell leading Robert Kubica in 16th and 17th. 18th was Lando Norris, who did ultimately have a DNF on a 15. And then not classified were Daniel Kvyat in the second Toro Rosso Honda and Nico Hulkenberg in the second Renault. Chris, what do you think? Well, it's extraordinary. Three Mercedes 1-2s in a three Grand Prix. Uh, that's the first time since 1992 it's been done, which was the dominant Williams FW14B of Mansell and Patrese. So, oh, love that um, car! Still the prettiest car out there, I think. Yeah, that was a that was a beauty, and um, so just uh, extraordinary. Uh, after Bahrain, where Ferrari seemed to have a power advantage, we come to ostensibly a power track, and uh, yet they were struggling, not quite on Mercedes' pace. So. Um, it was it was an interesting weekend. Botas was by far the quicker of the two drivers through free practice. Seemed much more comfortable in his car. Um, got a good pole position, um, not by much, but but he got it. It was what twenty four uh, thousandths, I think, was was what he what he got pole position by. Yeah, it was it was uh, a, it was a tiny fraction between the two Mercedes. Then three tenths back, it was a tiny fraction between the two Ferraris. And then more time back, and and on we went. I mean, it, you know, interestingly enough, uh, Hamilton and Bottas went out at one point in qualifying. 
and uh, they were on the same tyre, track conditions were identical, and Botas was over eight-tenths of a second quicker than Hamilton. And it was extraordinary to see, you know, Hamilton on the back foot to such an extent. But he almost got there in quali, and then, you know, he, he got off the line better than Botas and just disappeared and controlled the race. So basically did to Botas what had been done to him in Australia, where the roles were completely reversed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Although Botas did not have a damaged floor to lean on as an excuse, unfortunately. But, I mean, let's be realistic about it. Uh, Botas is performing much, much better. And they finished the race just, what, I don't know, less than 10 seconds apart from each other, uh, six and a half seconds apart from each other. So this was not anywhere near uh, when one war driver was clearly ahead of the other. They were both pretty evenly matched here. I think, you know, once once you get into the five to second, seven second range over the course of a Grand Prix and the second place driver is generally more dealing with more dirty air than the lead driver, you know, that's pretty much a wash in terms of performance, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was it was one of those uh, strong weekends for both of the drivers. Um, you know, they couldn't quite run close enough. Through. I mean, the Mercedes was particularly quick through the, the middle sector, wasn't it, compared to uh, certainly the Ferrari and a hard section to, to sort of run close to a car in front of you. So, <clears throat> it, you know, it's it's hard to keep within, within the one-second DRS zone. So... Yeah, I mean, Botas was always going to have an uphill fight once he got beaten off the line, um, unless he really had an eight-tenths of a second pace advantage, which it turned out he didn't in the race. So I don't think he had any complaints, right? I mean, there's only uh, six points between him and the championship. It's pretty even Steven so far after three races. Yeah, nope, that's that's absolutely true. Um, so, so that was ha- Hamilton's sixth win in China, believe it or not, sixth win. So... He's won six times at two other tracks. Do you think you can name them? Uh, I think, man, where else was he really good? I thought, oh, man, uh, Bahrain? No. Uh, no, I'll just start listing off tracks. Just tell me. Oh, um, well, hold it, on. Silverstone. Nope. No, really? I guess. So where did he get his first win? Uh, that was Canada. That's one place he's won six times. Okay. And uh, where's the Mickey Mouse circuit that he likes to liken to a kart track? Mickey Mouse circuit. He likes to like it. Well, you can't overtake it, but it's not Monaco. <laughs> I was going to say, is it uh, Hungara Ring? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So those are the those three tracks he's managed to win six times now at each one. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Well, he's won 75 times overall, which is a shocking number to think about especially when you consider how how different it was in his era versus Michael Schumacher's era of dominance, where Schumacher could basically, you know, run away with it and then just tell his teammate to move along, move aside if he wanted to. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, to be fair, he is behind Schumacher yet, but he's also, Hamilton is also two years younger than Schumacher was when he retired. And there's no indications that Hamilton will in- retire in two years either. So, 
But but the, the statistic that shocked me was Hamilton broke 4,000 laps led in Formula One, which sounds impressive until you find out that Schumacher led 5,111. <laughs> so <laughs> it's an extraordinary number of laps, that is. Yeah. So I could see uh, I could see Hamilton catching, you know, maybe on race wins, maybe even championships, but I don't think laps led any time in my lifetime anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, who knows, right? You know, you never know. Maybe uh maybe there'll be a 500 lap race coming up in the near future. <laughs> um but uh let, let let's go down the order a little bit here because we don't have to go far at all before we get into more controversy. Ferrari is becoming like a daytime soap. It's just it's just one thing after another that they keep putting themselves into the headlines for the wrong reasons. You know, uh, we had we had team orders come into play uh, again, and Charles Leclerc was slower than Vettel, but only just. And um, as a result, Leclerc had a the better start between the two Ferrari drivers, got ahead of Vettel, even though Vettel marginally outqualified him. And then Vettel did catch him. Vettel was being slowed up by him, but because of the switch around. Leclerc ended up getting dogged and getting mired into um, to Red Bull racing strategy and finished fifth, not fourth. So look, it's just more frustration for Claire. Leclerc. Three Grand Prix, three reasons to be frustrated. Yeah, it's very, very peculiar. So Ferrari, before the, the Grand Prix weekend, announced that in a 50-50 situation they were going to favor Vettel, which was a weird statement to come out with after Leclerc performed so well in Bahrain so then we you know Leclerc's not able to take the fight to Botas uh, in third and Vettel's claiming he can go quicker so Ferrari asked them to switch Leclerc very obligingly allows it to happen and then Vettel doesn't do any better job than Leclerc was at attacking Botas so Okay, so you've made the switch, but then to compromise Leclerc's race by leaving him out on, you know, much older tyres than everyone else and yet still making him do a two-stopper was just absurd. And then they didn't allow him to go for the fastest lap either. I don't know what's going on at Ferrari. They, they, uh, they're, they're dropping the ball big time. And um, it's, it's, I think it could come back to haunt them, frankly, because if, if Vettel continues to make mistakes and doesn't prove to be the quicker driver then you know why not back the other guy with his run to the championship you know you've already cost him several you know a good probably at least half a dozen points so far this season uh there's only one between the two of them so arguably Leclerc could have more points than than Vettel at this point if Ferrari had played it a bit differently yeah no I I, I think that's fair I mean right now it is uh Vettel with 37 points Leclerc with 36 so that clearly could have played uh, played a role, but I think to be fair, Vettel was definitely faster and much more competitive here in China than he was in Bahrain. Uh, Leclerc was switched on in Bahrain. Vettel had nothing for him, and uh, that was a, you know Australia. I'll be honest, I don't remember su- super clearly which driver was clear quicker. I think Vettel ultimately outqualified Leclerc in Australia, but. Um, I think there's two sides of this. You know, it is just three Grand Prix in. Vettel is the one with four uh, championships already in the bag, and he's got race wins for Ferrari and all these things. So 
I want to give Vettel a little bit of uh, leniency here. And also, you know, he was much more competitive. But I do wonder, this is a theory. I'm just going to throw this theory at you, and I want you to think about it. Let me know what you think. I wonder if Leclerc was an Arriva Bene decision that uh, the current management wasn't super thrilled with. And maybe there's a little bit of just unfortunate retribution that Leclerc is dealing with simply because someone didn't like Arriva Bene's decision. Um, I, I guess that's plausible. I feel that he had such a strong season last year that most people would have fancied putting them in their car, you know, for this season. And he was a Ferrari development driver, so it was only logical that they promoted him. Um, I, I kind of prefer to think that it's basically you got a you got a four-time world champion, as you said, who's clearly in a little bit of a fragile place. He's lost the last two. Uh, world Championships to Hamilton in a straight fight when he's had a pretty decent car. Um, he made a lot of mistakes last season. and uh, He made a lot of mistakes last season. He's yeah. now under pressure from his teammate, and he hasn't behaved that well when he's been put under pressure by teammates in the past. Maybe Ferrari feel that if they don't support him now, it could just, you know, get worse. And they still fundamentally believe, because of his history, that he is... He's still more statistically more likely to to get them to where they want to be, which is you know to, to a world championship this year, either driver or constructor, which you can understand. But I just would prefer at this early stage for them to just let them run, you know, run them, let them run free, let them get as, you know, as many points as they can, and then you see where it plays out, you know, after a quarter or a half of the season. I mean, they could have let Leclerc either take uh, have a crack at. Vettel in Australia or have a go at the fastest lap and they didn't allow him to do either I mean to be fair they, they let him they let him pass in Bahrain but they had actually told him to hold station and he ignored it and then you know they're asking him to move aside within 10 laps in China it, it just seems heavy handed and I think um, I think you know there's a lot of sympathy and a lot of positivity towards Leclerc and that could backfire badly on Ferrari if they continue to impose team orders when when it's not really justified at this stage. Yeah, I, I think that's all fair. But I mean what what is the what is one of the most powerful forces in this world? Truly? Habit. Um, it's habit. And I'm struggling with that. <laughs> Ferrari Ferrari is in the habit of having a clear number one and clear number two and making decisions that heavily favor that number one guy. And I, I, I think that, you know, they got deeply steeped in that um, situation with, uh, with uh, Schumacher. And they're just, they, th- that was such a winning formula for them that they cannot, they cannot think of getting rid of that. You know what I mean? So they're, they're in this place where they, they almost can't help themselves. And it's a it's a bizarre situation, but you're right. I mean, how many more Grand Prix does this have to happen before the Defosi really start getting upset and uh, getting angry? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been a while since. I, I guess you're right. It's not just Schumacher. It, they they sort of Im, imposed that that philosophy on in during the Alonso era as well, didn't they? Um, I, yeah, I, I, let's let let's let a few more races play out and see. 
see if that habit pays dividends or not. I mean, I think they've got some other bigger issues. They've got uh, uh, they had to change the ECU prior to to China, um, and it was in response to the issue Leclerc encountered in Bahrain, and he, somehow their their competitiveness dropped significantly. So that's not a good sign. Um, and they they also were really outthought and outstrategized by Red Bull. I mean, Red Bull are in the situation where, you know, they got a they got a really young, aggressive, talented driver, and they're going to roll the dice. We know Red Bull will roll the dice on their strategy, and uh, Verstappen will 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 uh, try and take advantage of any any weakness, any opening. And he, you know, he didn't get. He almost got third place. Quite frankly, he said he made Vettel yeah. uh, really battle for that position and 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 beat Leclerc quite comfortably. So you know, Ferrari didn't just come. You know, they should have really come third and fourth with the pace of the car. They didn't even manage that. Uh, Red Bull, on merit, managed to get that fourth place from them. So the, the the lack of strategy, the performance issues that they're having with the car, and after such a promising you know close season testing just isn't good enough, really. I mean, after two seasons of not quite getting the job done, I think a lot of people were hoping they'd get across the line this year. And right now, who would have predicted two, two one, uh, three one-twos for Mercedes at the start of this year? I wouldn't have predicted right. that. It's extraordinary. So, well, But, I, you know, I have to say that, you know, I think Ferrari, uh, you know, on balance, had the better car last year. And uh, so... If they were in the right position, they would have achieved exactly what you're describing last year. And Mercedes, in many ways, were on the back foot. And Mercedes were the one that had to catch up again for 2019, and they have. That's that's kind of the vibe going on. It's like Ferrari kind of had the lead car, but they just they just had some pretty gnarly, silly mistakes. I mean, you know, I, I can't help but think about uh, Germany last year, where Ferrari... And Vettel had a pretty comfortable lead and then, you know, just went away from him. And uh, I feel like that was kind of the, that was the knee in the graph of where things shifted. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly it seemed last year Ferrari had a had the quickest car on a number of weekends. I think it ended up more sort of 50-50, didn't it? I think there were other weekends where Mercedes were still... Still had the better package, but yeah, I mean it was swings of roundabouts. But this year, I guess it's two one to to Mercedes, and and yet and, and the one race Ferrari were really competitive. They had a reliability issue, so uh, not 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 quite not quite where they need to be. And uh, Red Bull, you know, look like they've got they've got on top of some of the setup issues they've had with their their 2019 chassis. They looked more competitive in Bahrain. Uh, I mean, even Gasly was able to get a sixth place with the car. So um, you've got to fancy that they're going to just come on stronger and stronger as the season goes on, like they have done for the last couple of years. And uh, so far, uh, the Honda reliability has been okay. So uh, <laughs> pretty good in pretty good in uh, Verstappen's car. So here's 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 my fun-filled Honda fact. So it's the it's the uh, second race in a row that Honda has managed to get three cars or three Honda powered cars in the top, in the points in the top 10. Can you name the last time that occurred? <laughs> well, man, I mean, I think it went, I would think it would have been 91. Oh, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 91. Yeah. A long time ago. Long so time he, ago. I mean, this is the, this is the first year that they've had more than two cars powering, um, uh, 
powering by Hondas in the modern era. And that's, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I I remember Hondas last season before this current was ninety one. I mean, you know, it, you can you can you know the Honda. Obviously, I'm kind of sort of forgetting about the Honda racing team of the early mid knots because I don't know. I guess that that was a different era that should be counted as Honda, but I kind of only sort of do, I suppose, because it was really bar Honda. And then, I don't know, it was Braun. I don't know. I guess I should count that. Yeah, I certainly count that. I mean, they were also had a few periods of, of competitiveness. I mean, when Jensen Button was racing for them, they they, uh, they were always a total disaster. I remember there was a few yeah, races no, where they were Well, there Button, Button had a win. His first win was in a Honda. Oh, that's uh, right, yeah. In 2006, I think that was at Hungary. Um, it was, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's just that uh, that I think in that era there was only the two cars as well. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so so good, it's a good it's a good fact, it. good good interesting fact. <laughs> so yeah, I mean uh, it's exciting because we I think we all fancied having Red Bull in the mix more frequently. Verstappen certainly is seems to be on fire uh, so far this year, and um, you know I think there's still a problem with Gasly. He was. He was a lot slower than Verstappen throughout the course of the weekend, um, uh, so they've got they've definitely got a problem. But they, with their number two driver, but they've unlocked enough pace from the car that even having a problem with the number two driver means he can at least get sixth. So that, I guess that's positive. Well, and I was going to ask you about that because Gasly, you know, if you look at qualifying pace, he was still way off. Oh yeah, he was still way off of uh, uh, Verstappen. You know, we had a. We had, uh, where is it, 36-1 versus a 36-36-6. I mean, and it was a 36-1-4 versus a 36-6-8. So more than half a second between the two. But, I mean, it does seem like the gap is closing ever so slightly. And uh, I'm not willing to write Pierre Gasly off yet uh, because this was an improvement in performance, even though it's still lagging behind. It is it is improving from the first two Grand Prix. So maybe it's just a matter of, you know, finally getting comfortable in his car. And as you've said before, Red Bull is far from the least uh, least pressure-filled place <laughs> uh, out there. I think um, I think if you want to go to low pressure, the best place to be is Alfa Romeo, which is why Kimi Räikkönen's there having a great time. So... <laughs> <laughs> So that was his third consecutive points finish, right? He's been in the points every race. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kimi Raikkonen standings, I think he's up to 12 points, and he's still seventh in the championship. He's uh, He is one point behind Pierre Gasly, in fact, uh, speak of the devil. So, uh, yeah, no, the, Alfa Romeo's been uh, pretty darn decent, and uh, Kimi is, you know, comfortably ahead of uh, Giovinazzi. So, um, but I want to talk about Renault a little bit. Um, Ricardo uh, did finish ahead of Nico Hulkenberg, of course, but he also outqualified him only just. Again, it was very, very close. But um, but the four four thousandths of a second, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that counts as close. Would <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, so they're they're in a place where it does seem like Dan Ricardo is starting to get is starting to get uh, a feel of the car and uh and uh do you think this is a turning point for ricardo or do you think we're gonna see more competitive 
uh, bits here, or we still is he still in a honeymoon period? We can let him have a few more uh, bad Grand Prix compared to his teammate. No, I think he's I think he's um, showing signs of life, isn't he? I mean, he's a quality driver. He has been since he joined uh, Red Bull. Uh, what? five years ago now and um yeah i think he said he was having trouble with the brakes he couldn't get comfortable with the brakes and uh and clearly he just needed time to settle in he, he was saying that they were trying to be too clever with some of their setup um activities in the previous two races so they just tried to get focused more on the fundamentals on the basics and do, do those right um and you know get him happy with the car not try and do anything too crazy and it seems to it seems to have helped, and I think he'll only get stronger from here on in. Um, but I also think the uh, the Brabham inspired crash helmet helped as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly didn't hurt. Uh, again, it was a cool cool win. It's the type of thing that Ricardo does that others don't, which you have to appreciate. So, um, no, there was a few there was a few other cool ones, but he I think he got the prize for the coolest because it was it was not only how basic it was, but they'd even made it look uh, um, slightly worn. I don't know if you noticed that, but if you looked at the details, like even the the uh, all the text and all the uh, uh, transfers were all slightly you know weathered. Yeah. So it made it look made it look aged, which was awesome. Really or maybe nice. he just stole it from Brabham. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we should look into that. Man, that might be a penalty. Um, so I, is there anything else about the race itself you want to talk about? Because I do want to talk a little bit about the pomp and circumstance behind the 1,000th running, quote, I, unquote. Yeah, I think, I think just a shout out for Alex Albon, who's a rookie in his third race at uh, STR, had a big crash in FP3. Um, coming onto the start finish straight through it in the wall uh it wasn't able to to contest qualifying so he started actually from the pit lane and drove the wheels off the car and finished uh 10th so uh really Loaded a fine driver effort. of the day yeah yeah and uh he seems like a you know he was he was a bit i think distraught um after his mistake but he held his hands up said you know my fault and um and made you know amends on you know the day it really counts when the points are handed out so good good effort to him and you know maybe maybe we'll see him in a red bull before too long if he keeps trying like that (laughs) yeah well yeah that's uh fascinating i mean you know i again i i'm sympathetic to ghastly and uh i'm hopeful that he can get things turned around but uh yeah no it's it's fair point so okay one thousandth championship race i think was how they were describing it on sky sports and there was you know this introduction on television about uh you know the first grand prix and then the drivers were talking about their first race was the 750th or the 900th or whatever and uh i don't know what what did you think of the build-up and the inclusion of this f1 1000 thing that they were doing yeah, it's oversimplifying the history of the sport a little bit, I think. And uh, I think it, it's a, it seemed to be a, an effort just to build a bit more buzz for a race that honestly doesn't really need it. I mean, to me, the, the, the sport is in a healthy enough place that we don't need to generate extra 
extra entertainment during the course of the weekend. But I guess you have to market some, you know, you have to you have to uh, chalk them up some way somehow, and you have to come up with a way of doing it. And I think the way they classified it was it was the one thousandth race for the Formula One uh, drivers' world championship, right? So that's where you get out of the non-championship F1 races or the Grand Prix races that weren't run to F1 rules and so on and so forth. But it all felt a little bit contrived to me. Um, so I think it may be just, um, but you know, the way the new owners want to play things and if they can find a, if they can find an angle to, to create a little bit more buzz around the weekend, then they will do so. And as long as they don't completely trounce or disown the history of the sport, then I, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I thought some of the some of the 1,000 posters where you had, interestingly, the, the five drivers um, featured prominently, but then they had some, you know, cool black and white images of people like Clark and Hunt and, and uh, those guys in the yeah. background. I thought, was, I thought was okay. I, I, it didn't bother me too much, let's put it that way. I, and I do I actually I thought it was very fascinating the five drivers they chose and <laughs> and and why they chose those five drivers you know that was a pretty clear um, that was a pretty clear like these are the these are the guys with the best chance and uh, and so that to me in a lot of ways was the biggest dig on Gasly it's like dude you're nowhere close you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and and I would say Ricardo as well, who's how many races has he won now? Six or seven Grand Prix, and not to feature him. Whereas you know you got Leclerc featured, who's never won one. So I thought that was a little odd, and and it also sort of played down Renault's involvement, or you know some of the other big teams out there that maybe not winning races or competitive now, but they you know they're all. I mean Renault in itself is a, is uh, had played a huge part in Formula One for decades you know won many many grand prix so that was a you know it just smacks of we've just bought the sport and these are these are the top guys are they then and and didn't really seem to yeah. fully appreciate i think it was history. kind of the beginning middle and end of it yeah but i mean to me it, the whole thing did feel a bit random and uh but ultimately i'm okay with it. it's like fine okay well, let's move on as long yeah. as there's not a oh it's the 15th running next year it's like oh we thought of another way to you know, but give it a milestone. So exactly. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. So, um, I believe that it is now time to talk a little bit about where we are. Constructors, uh, driver's championship. Uh, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton is in the lead with 68 points. Valtteri Botas is second with 62. Max Verstappen is third ahead of both Ferraris. Um, uh, 39 points. Vettel with 37 and fourth and Charles Leclerc with 36 and fifth. Then we get a pretty big drop off to Pierre Gasly, who has 13 points in sixth. Kimi Raikkonen with 12 and seventh, and uh, we'll go to the top ten. Lando Norris is eight with eight points. Kevin Magnussen is ninth with eight points as well, and Nico Hulkenberg will go to eleventh. Nico Hulkenberg is ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, but both of them have six points. So that's where we stand after three rounds of the Formula One Championship. And I believe it's time to talk about IndyCar. Well, just one final thought on that. So if you look at the constructors' uh, standings, Mercedes has more points than Ferrari and Red Bull combined, which <laughs> is a bit worrying. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's uh, – it's <laughs> yeah, I knew I, – I mean, 
the way I've described it is Mercedes has had the perfect result plus one because they've had the one, two, one, two, one, two. And then also Botas got the fastest lap in Australia. So it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the question is, and hopefully you brought this up to Toto, you know, how they managed to drop two points so far this season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 We had a long, uh, it ended up, I, well, I, made, one I, bit, I, guess. I made that point and Toto actually called his engineers and we had an hour long debrief about the subject. <laughs> so yeah, he, 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 he understands. So anyway, IndyCar. IndyCar. Have you... watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I know who won. It's yeah, funny actually, uh, I have made, I have made an effort to watch. Well, you watch the Coda, races. you watch the Coda event and yeah, I was yeah. so pleasantly surprised by that. And I think you were treated to some good racing. I, would you yeah. not agree? Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, it was okay. Oh was my right. gosh. It was, yeah, it was the, the thing that, that surprised me was how dominant power and Rossi were in that race. In, in, so, the, in uh, the Circuit of the Americas race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I guess, well, Rossi won at the weekend, right? So. Yeah, Rossi, like Rossi, I mean, this was real dominance this weekend. Rossi won. Rossi uh, led 80 laps out of 85. Wow. And, uh, and uh, you know, he, he ended up finishing the race with a, oh, man, 20-second margin. So. Uh, I mean, he just really went through it. And it was green flag, start to finish, no full course yellows. Um, actually, wait, hold on. There might have been one early on. But anyway, it was largely green flag running anyway. And uh, there, was a lot of good, there was a lot of good racing in the mid-pack. And uh, I think that, generally speaking, I'm still very happy with uh, the product that IndyCar's uh, – is putting out right now. And I think the racing continues to be great. There was, um, you know, real nice uh, racing and even controversy over uh, uh, a defense of a, uh, a defense of a pass. So Graham hit Ray Hall finished ahead of Scott Dixon on the racetrack, but ended up finishing behind him in points and in official standings because he was deemed to have blocked Scott Dixon on the very last lap. And if you look at the footage closely, I have to say that based on IndyCar rules, you're allowed to move over and defend with one move. Um, and then that's that. And you're not allowed to react to someone else. You're not allowed to move in reaction to someone else moving and block them that way. And I think that um, in the moment, the uh, the judges mistakenly thought that Graham Rahal reacted to Scott Dixon's move, but in fact, Graham Rahal moved first. They just moved close to each other, and um, so that was unfortunate. But we're we're in a place where it's becoming more and more clear that Honda in IndyCar is the stronger of the two engines. They're doing very very well here, and uh, you know Alexander Rossi did have Honda power. Uh, this time around, though, it was uh, a Chevrolet in second place with Joseph Newgarden. Scott Dixon again has Honda in third. So I did see that McLaren unveiled Alonso's livery for the Indy 500. Yes. 
And I'm getting suitably excited that I think I might actually have to go down and watch the 500. I've never been to a 500. I don't know why I should go to one. And maybe this year is as good a time as any. Because it'd be really awesome to watch Alonso win the uh, Indy 500 in the McLaren. Well, you know, the Indy 500 is the type of race where, as a kid, I loved it. And then as I got older, I was like, God, ah, I really prefer road racing. But... You know, still there's still big events, still interesting, and the racing can be quite good. But I have being there live. I've only been to one, but when I was there, it is just it is the 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 crowd and the atmosphere is absolutely electric. So I couldn't recommend more going to the Indy 500. Um, you know, they're called they're called French fries, not chips. When you go down there. <laughs> But uh, aside from that, I think you'll be fine. And yeah, and the beer, the beer the will be much too cold for you. But don't worry; <laughs> give it twenty minutes in the sun, and uh, it'll it'll eventually get to your lukewarm tastes. <laughs> Sorry, it's quite similar to Michigan. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the, the only risk is that a Honda might win, so I'll have to tolerate that. But uh, well. You know, I, something something tells me that you will find a way to manage. Uh, you know, you do have Honda to thank for powering Verstappen uh, into the right into the thorn of uh, being a thorn in Ferrari's side, and that can't bother you too much. So, um, but and it is funny because uh, IndyCar uh, now has their next race is in uh, is May 11th, and it, it is at. In Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it's the road course modified, but the F1 road course is now being used by IndyCar, and um, so they do two races there: it's the IndyCar Grand Prix May 11th, and then the Indianapolis 500 Memorial Weekend. Yeah, so are you you a real old old traditionalist and and uh, you know completely appalled that the month of May is being diluted with a second race? No, absolutely we, not. No, it's it's, it's, it's uh, it's in the in the old days. There were seventy, eighty cars uh, attempting to run. There were all kinds of mechanical issues and breakdowns and all different things that would happen. And it used to be called Carb Day because there were carburetors um, that were used as an example. And uh, so there was a reason for the entire month of May to be uh, used with. Um, uh, used as testing and build up and all this kind of stuff, but it's just not the case anymore. The modern modern era just doesn't allow it, and uh, so to give it a second race to make use of this road course that was built, I think it's all for the good. I, I couldn't be happier about it. Okay, so if we're going to just stray off the whole Formula One topic, can I have a quick shout out to Formula E? Sure, because because Jaguar won a race in Formula E for the first time. Wow. At, and, um, you know, I'm quite partial to, to Jaguar. They don't do much motor racing anymore. They used to do sports car racing, which was, which was great, but they, uh, they dropped out in the 90s. And uh, now they've raced in Formula E, and uh, they haven't been that competitive since, <laughs> since they beated it, truth be told. <laughs> but they won a race, so well done, Jaguar. Well, uh, it, well done, Jaguar. And in a sense, Jaguar wins every race of the I-Pace Trophy Cup, <laughs> right. which is a support series well, of Formula E. Unless none of them finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's a possibility. That is a fair point. Um, but uh, so uh, 
Yeah, no, Formula E, I just, I haven't been able to get, I have caught highlights of it before, and it has been quite exciting, but I don't know, I can't, I haven't quite gotten the momentum to start following it yet. I just keep my eye on it. Um, With IndyCar and Formula One and a child, I'm plenty busy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, it's it's tough to get into it. I mean, I think because there's now so many good teams and good drivers, it's getting easier, and the fact that they don't have to swap cars halfway through the race makes it seem a little bit more... Yeah, that's that's a big improvement. Yeah, um, but the one thing that did bother me, the race I watched from Mexico, was the the whole fan boost concept. Oh, right. I think two or three drivers got an arbitrary boost because, you know, the fans voted for them. I'm sorry, that's that's not my cup of tea. But I'm sure, you know, for some people it is, but it didn't I didn't like that. It you, starts to spoil the purity of the sport. Did that cup of tea not come with milk? Was that the problem? <laughs> that's right. Or was it, it iced? It was green tea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next race in Formula One is in April, though. It is the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which is a pretty epic place, actually. And that's coming April 28th. IndyCar, as we mentioned, is going to be May 11th. That's the IndyCar Grand Prix, which is a road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The World Endurance Championship, there was an update. I thought it was May 2nd, but that would be a Thursday. It is, in fact, May 3rd, which is a Friday, which is still odd, and that's at the six hours of Spa. And uh, the IMSA series, which we haven't talked much about, but uh, they're going to be racing at Mid-Ohio May 5th, which is a Sunday. And I want to thank you for listening Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcasts. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com. Tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. And check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fwcars. It's only a day after the race, Chris. This is weird. Shocking. (laughs) well well done to you Uh, I'm Robin Warner goodbye